Before we get to this week's episode, we've got a few things to take care of. First, we want to let you know that our audio course is finally out on Himalaya Learning. The Wildlife of Your Home pod course is a 10-episode series that will train you to become an indoor wildlife investigator, a rare kind of scientist. You'll learn about ecosystems by discovering the unknown creatures you wake up with every day. It's available right now on learning.himalaya.com tumble. If you enroll now, you'll get a free 14-day trial on the Himalaya Learning platform. And next, we got some new patrons to thank. Roland, Bridger, happy belated birthday on August 2nd, Bridger. Your dad loves you and loves all the adventures you go on. Isaac and Aurora Lang, Ian Skinner, Aaron, Holly, and Charlotte. And Charlotte, happy birthday on August 15th. Keep learning and asking questions. Your mommy loves you. And also Cleo Chan Testa. Keep learning and shining, and happy birthday on August 21st. There are also some more not-new patrons with birthdays coming up. Persephone Schmitter, happy birthday on August 14th. Leo Liked Gould, happy birthday on August 15th. Your parents love you and are so grateful for you. Catherine, happy birthday on August 16th. Emma Kay, happy birthday on August 21st. Mom and Dad are always so proud of you. Julian Butel, happy birthday on August 21st. Thanks to all of you and to everyone who supports Tumble on Patreon. If you'd like to get a shout-out like these people, or get a happy birthday wish from yours truly on our podcast, just go to patreon.com slash tumblepodcast and pledge at the $5 level or higher. Once again, that's patreon.com slash tumblepodcast. Hey Marshall, did you know that we don't just have a podcast, we have a blog? I did know that. Well, my resolution this year is to have a blog post for every single episode we make so that our listeners know where to go when they get super curious about the stuff we talk about on the show. Yeah, because there's so much more to know than we have time to talk about. A lot ends up on the cutting room floor, as they say in show business. (laughs) Which is to say that we literally print out all of the transcripts and then throw them on the floor when we don't use them. I... I use scissors on them, too. Yes. It's a lot of work. I don't know why we do it that way. But still, we're learning a lot of fascinating stuff that we want to share with you. And the blog is where you can go to see a video we'll be mentioning in this episode that you won't want to miss. Just go to our website, tumblepodcast.com, and click on blog. You can search by episode name if you don't see what you're looking for right away. We're also working on extra materials like research lists and listening comprehension sheets, which we'll post on our Patreon site. Oh, and by the way, thanks to Ren Hodges for joining us on Patreon. Okay, now it's time for the show. Hi, I'm Lindsay. And I'm Marshall. Welcome to Tumble, the show where we explore stories of science discovery. This week, we're getting gross with the host of a show called Gross Science. She's going to explain why scientists explore grossness in all its forms. And she'll tell us about one particular experiment that will test the strength of your stomach. This show is BYOB. That means bring your own barf bag. Do you like gross things? I'm obsessed with gross things, and I have been ever since I was a little kid. That's Anna Rothschild. I am the creator and host of Gross Science, which is a YouTube series all about the slimy, smelly, creepy underbelly of nature, medicine, and technology. 
If you watch Anna's videos, which you should, you will be disgusted. That's sort of the point. What's your favorite grossing slime? Actually, my first like love of science really began when um, my parents bought me a slime chemistry set when I was in middle school at some time. It, it just like set me off on a career of loving science. So slime really made a difference for you? Slime made a huge difference for me in my life. Gross stuff can make a difference in everyone's life. It can. That's why I went to Doss Elementary in Austin, Texas to ask fourth graders what they think is gross and fascinating. And one of the grossest things I know is leeches because they're slimy and they suck your blood. Fun fact, pigeon poo is pee and poo. What I think is really gross is cockroaches. They can pretty much get anywhere and sometimes they can like get into your ear when you're sleeping. When horned toads get mad, they shoot blood from their eyes. Something that's really gross to me is poop because my dog fires poop bombs. One thing I find gross is salamanders can regrow their limbs. I think what I think is really gross is toe fungus. Makes me want to Okay, I know I like gross stuff, and most kids like gross stuff. Why are we so uncomfortable about it? Anna has a theory about this. We all burp, and we all fart, and we all poop, and we all like have, have spit in our mouths and like mucus in our noses. But we spend a lot of our lives trying not to show other people that stuff. So gross stuff is this way for us to explore the side of ourselves that's off limits, that we don't like to share with other people. But scientists don't shy away from gross stuff. They can't. There are important discoveries to be made by studying bizarre creatures, weird behaviors, and so, so many bodily fluids. <laughs> like spit and snot and pee and... Vomit. vomit. Scientists have been trying to study this stomach virus called norovirus that makes you, like, projectile vomit. It's, like, a totally disgusting virus. Is totally disgusting an official category of virus? Like, this is totally disgusticus. Disgustapi. <laughs> <laughs> Not yet, but that's a good idea. <laughs> Norovirus is mostly known for being very contagious, meaning it can spread easily from person to person. Both young and old people can get really sick from it. I remember one time my great aunt in a nursing home couldn't leave her room for a week because there was an outbreak of norovirus. And it's common, too. 20 million people get it each year. Oh my god, 20 million. That's a lot of vomit. Yep. And scientists were about to dive right into it. Ew. So these researchers were trying to find out how far vomit could travel when you're projectile vomiting. Because that will determine how far away from a sick person viruses might end up. Wait, so this is about where to clean up after someone vomits? <laughs> Yeah, it's basically how to best do the grossest job. <laughs> okay, so how do you find out how far projectile vomit gets projected? With a vomiting robot, of course. <laughs> of course. Scientists actually built a robot called Vomiting Larry. Vomiting Larry? It's actually really kind of funny. It has a little face, and then it just basically has like a little sack for a stomach that gets like retched up every every so often whenever the, the researchers want to do an experiment. It's <laughs> hilarious. There's a video which you can find on YouTube and our website that shows you the experiment in all its glory. <laughs> 
So I have so many questions, like beginning with why did someone build a robot that could vomit? <laughs> I think the scientists didn't want to stand in a room waiting for an actual sick person to vomit or clean up real vomit. It's so like which scientist's turn is it to puke this time? <laughs> yeah. like, why do I always draw the short straw? <laughs> It's always me who has to do the puking. To get around all that, they built what's called a simulated vomiting system. <laughs> or an SVS for short. <laughs> Scientists had already learned how much vomit and how much pressure is behind a projectile vomiting incident. Through a series of experiments, I imagine to be extremely unpleasant. Just have some more milk, please. <laughs> Keep drinking. Not done yet. Vomiting is actually a new job for Airway Larry, a mannequin that's used in CPR training. Oh, poor Airway. This poor mannequin just is always doing the worst things. So it has a realistic mouth and throat. The scientists took the head off the body and attached it to a new mechanical stomach made with parts you could probably pick up at a home supply store. The whole thing was mounted on a wooden tower. A tower of vomit. And they fill the stomach with this like fluorescent dye and basically just like make Larry vomit up this dye to simulate what it would look like um, to have a case of norovirus where you're projectile vomiting everywhere. Okay, so they fill his stomach up and then boom, mechanical stomach just pushes it right back up through his mouth. And what they found is that when you projectile vomit, you can squirt liquid up to like 84 square feet. Oh, wait, so why is Larry's vomit glowing in the dark? You didn't know how sick he really was. <laughs> no, you know how Anna mentioned that the liquid had a fluorescent dye in it? Yes. It was not something they could see with the naked eye. They could only see it once they turned on a black light. In the video, one of the researchers cleans up all the puke she can see with the lights on. But then she switches the light off, and she turns on a special UV black light, and she sees that the floor is still glowing. So she didn't get all the puke. The germs are still there, and she can see that her own clothes and gloves are glowing too. She's contaminated herself. Ooh, no. And the thing is, if you just looked at every place you think you saw vomit, you would be missing all of the spots where there were like tiny, like microscopic bits of vomit that you just like wouldn't see. So you wouldn't probably clean up the entire area that you needed to clean up. So they ran this experiment to discover that they need to clean up a whole 84 square feet in front of a vomiting person. Exactly. That's pretty useful. So this experiment proved that vomit travels way farther than we actually thought. I feel bad for poor Larry. He does nothing but vomit all day, every day. It's all in the name of science. <laughs> this robot's doing a great service for humanity. <laughs> Taking one for the team, I guess. Yeah, which is why they made a robot in the first place. No human wanted to sign up for that job. Vomiting Larry is just one example of how getting gross makes for good science. The fact that Anna is nowhere near running out of ideas for gross science videos proves that there's a lot more gross discoveries to be made. Do you think that like running across gross things or being involved with things that are gross in some way or another is sort of a necessary part of science? 
Yeah, I think that, you know, when you really scratch the surface of a lot of things in science, you find that there's like something a little bit gross there, like very often, especially when they have to do with the human body, you know? Like, like I said before, we're really just kind of gross creatures. If you just stay away from gross things, you're missing this much bigger picture of life on, on this planet that's like really kind of beautiful and like can reveal all these insights that you never saw before. Scientists aren't afraid of getting gross. They're like pioneers of grossness, wading into the murky depths of our bodies. Yeah, experiments that sound icky or silly, like Vomiting Larry, contribute to scientific knowledge that could ultimately save lives, and it helps us understand ourselves better, because we're gross too. All of us. You, me, everyone we know. Is gross. <laughs> On top of that, it's just like really important to be able to talk about gross stuff because you should feel comfortable talking about your own body, especially if you have a problem. Like if you have a really bad stomach ache, you want to be able to tell somebody about it. You don't want to be so afraid to talk about, you know, poop or vomit or something like that, that like you can't talk to your parents or a doctor or something like that about it. I think that's a really good point. We should all be able to talk about gross stuff and scientists help us pave the way. And we actually would love to hear from you. If you have any wonderful pictures of vomiting Larry or just vomiting anything, send them to us. <laughs> so also, if you have any gross science questions, don't forget to send those our way, too. Send them to tumblepodcast at gmail.com or upload them to us on our website. <laughs> Thanks to Anna Rothschild. Check out her show Gross Science from Nova and PBS Digital Studios on YouTube. We'll have a link on our blog at tumblepodcast.com. Also thanks to Ms. Gustafson and her students at Doss Elementary in Austin, Texas. Zach, Kylie, Celia, Max, Lucy, Matthias, Colin H, Miranda, Mary, Geneva, Colin M, Ben, Yasuhiro, Claire, Chelsea, Lily, Keith, and Doris. Don't forget to write us a review on iTunes and check out our Patreon campaign if you like what you hear and you want to support our show. Sarah Lentz is our associate producer. I'm Lindsay Patterson and I produce the show. I'm Marshall Escamilla and I make the music. Thanks so much for listening and stay tuned for more stories of science discovery.